Okay, you got your level set, Rod? I think my levels sound good. You sound great. I think we should get this podcast off the ground. You're listening to Tech. All right, well, we'd like to welcome each and every one of you to the Tech Move podcast. It is our episode 001, and uh, we want to thank you for joining us today, and uh, what a fun time we're going to have here. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Rod. This is our premiere episode. It's been literally almost a year in the making. <laughs> uh, and, and, and we're not really super proud of that. We're not really proud of it. It's pretty lame. But uh, <laughs> the fact that we took a year, but it was a very busy year for us. Um, and we've done a, quite a bit of concentrated effort in the last uh, month or so to really work out some of the technical issues of how to actually record this podcast. Even though it seems like it should be simple, you know, three billion people have podcasts, um, but we decided to do it in a uh, maybe a little bit more complicated way, and right. because of that, we had some technical issues. Right, because we named the thing Tech Move, uh, we we figured that it it should live up to the name, so we didn't want to record on uh, my uh, eight track uh, cassette recorder or uh, or, or uh, Keith's Betamax that he has uh, stored in the garage. <laughs> Yeah, we wanted to use less than 30-year-old technology right. to record this. <laughs> right, so, exactly. Although, I think, Rodney, you're you're still using like a 30-year-old mic. I, I, I am. I, I really am. This this is a fantastic microphone, and, uh, and it is actually 30 years old, uh, which is kind of the, the, the quote-unquote charm of the Tech Move podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. Right, it is. It is. Uh, and, and then also I'll be bringing out my tin cans and string in just a few <laughs> moments. So. My, so My mic is actually not that new either. It's about a 10-year-old mic. But um, we've both got some pretty good technology on, on the back end. We're probably going to do a little bit uh, behind the scenes of how we do this podcast in a future episode. It's kind of interesting how we're doing it. It'll be real interesting to everyone to hear what the kind of like our our. our pains and trying to get this thing going and stuff but it but it is pretty interesting and uh which kind of leads us into uh what the whole tech move podcast is supposed to be about and uh what we're trying to do is we're trying to bridge this nice little gap uh between keith and myself uh because uh keith is uh (laughs) Essentially, he's been my technical support for the last uh, 40 years or so. Uh, so, Keith, I want to thank you for uh, all the tech support you've given me over the years. Yeah, it all started with the rattle. I mean, you, had a, <laughs> you had a little problem with the rattle and the pacifier. Right. I helped you out with that. and Exactly. <laughs> it just kind of kind of rolled on from there. It did. It, 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 I, I had problems with my pencil. And then... Uh, you know, I had problems with, you know, spray paint. And then so <laughs> now, now this is going to be really good. This is really, really good. And now that things get actually plugged into electricity, who knows what kind of trouble I can get myself into. So <laughs> onward with the Tech Move podcast. Anyway, hey, my name is Rod and uh, our illustrious co-host is Keith. And uh, we want to just thank you again for joining us here on our maiden voyage here at Tech Move, uh, where we are going to be talking about some of our favorite things, wouldn't you say, Keith? Rodney and I have always had a kind of a love for um, 
music recording and 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 video recording and all kinds of uh, media production. And uh, Rodney's had a career in doing DJ and other stuff, and I've had a career doing music and film now. And uh, and we've always just had this uh, interesting relationship of uh, kind of gear, talking about gear, talking about technology. And about a year ago, we said, well, you know, why don't we do a podcast? That would be fun. And I'd always wanted to do a podcast, but just I just didn't have the incentive to do it. So I figured, well, I'll ask Rod. It'll be really fun. And it'll be a good, good chance for us to also uh, do something together. So a year later, here we are. <laughs> And and you know what's really interesting about that is that if you if, if we really think back all the all the things we've ever done together like uh you know uh Keith used to have a recording studio and uh, and I would kind of intern there and and help him with stuff and uh uh so you know all that creative stuff you know has has really uh, uh geared us towards this particular podcast in many ways it has, it has. And then, okay, so here's another thing that triggered the podcast, which is Rodney for years was a PC user, was a Windows user. Thank you. And I know you're not proud of it, but you were. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I, and I, even though I use PCs and Windows and I have to for, for gigs and jobs and work, I've always been a, a fan of the Mac from the very beginning. My, my first Actually, I think Rodney probably also had uh, a Mac at the very beginning as well, but then quickly moved over to the PC, and I always stayed on the Mac. I think my first Mac was a Mac, a Mac Plus, and one of my first jobs was working for a company that made peripherals for the Mac Plus. So, um, and I think it's safe to I think it's safe to say that company name because I don't think they'll they'll mind because they don't exist anymore. But uh, it was not my fault, <laughs> right? 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 But I, I would say that it, they, they made uh, great hard drives. Uh, uh, it was Jasmine, was it not? It was Jasmine Technologies, right? Yeah. And and I, I and I was the uh, uh, big uh, big Kahuna uh, on the block because I had a forty meg Jasmine hard drive, external hard drive for my Mac Plus. And uh, boy, was I the envy of the kids at school! I'll tell you that much. They didn't know what to do. They're flo- these floppy disks are are unheard of. Yeah, that was forty was a luxury back then. Yes, it of course, was. Of course, now you'd have to pay somebody to take a forty megabyte hard drive. They they have bigger thumb drives than that. Yeah, they have. Uh, I don't think you can get a thumb drive that's even close to that small. Right, exactly. But, but uh, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like magnitude, order right. of magnitude. Right. Yeah, Jasmine Technologies. They used to make mostly make hard drives for for Macs, and that was a pretty big industry back then. And uh, but ever since then, I've just I've been in Mac technology and also music production and video, and so all those things have kind of carried on the current present time with me, and also with Rod. Rod's Rod's done a lot of good stuff in in media as well. Well, let, let, let's let's be truthful about the matter here. Let, let, it, so, folks, let, let, let me let me give you the down low on what's going on here. One of the things here that is so fantastic and why we think you're going to be enjoying our podcast here is the fact that Keith is really a professional at all these things. You know, like you said, uh, music recording, video production. All this great stuff. Me, I'm a hobbyist. You know, I I like 
Uh, you know, I want to be able to take uh, uh, really nice pictures, really nice video, turn them into a, you know, a cute little DVD or whatever it is, but, you know, have it be better than, you know, than Uncle Jack uh, holding his uh, regular eight millimeter, you know, video cam and, you know, having it shake all over the place like he's in an earthquake or something. Uh, I wanted to try and produce something that was a little bit better uh, than than that, but not having any illusions that I'm going to be like this um, wonderful uh, documentarian like like Keith has turned out to be. So we're going to try and bridge that gap with you listening along with Keith's professionalism and my amateurism. So, <laughs> so hopefully you'll like that. I think it'll be interesting. I'm going to learn a whole heck of a lot of stuff. You hopefully will too. So, you know, that that's what we're shooting for. It should be very interesting and very fun for both of us. Yeah. But, but folks, don't worry if I keep going, huh? what are you saying? <laughs> so don't, 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 uh, don't be too alarmed by that. Hopefully you're saying the same thing, but most likely you guys are not. So anyway. We'll hopefully have an eclectic mix of various levels of listeners. Um, yeah. And it's all good. Oh, sure. About a year ago, Rodney decided to, to make the move and switch. He decided to come back into the Apple fold. Thank you. And uh, decided to get a refurbished iMac. <laughs> I'm drinking some water and I almost spit it out all over my refurbished keyboard. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about that in the upcoming episodes and stuff like that about the refurb and, and, and what Keith's biases are against, uh, against how great refurb products are, uh, especially since it did play a part in us taking the better part of a year to put this darn thing together. <laughs> Hey, we're here. We're here now. Part of the podcast is not just about uh, media production, um, digital filmmaking, uh, but and digital cinema, but it's also about um, being a switcher and learning about the Mac, learning about uh, some tricks and uh, some some techniques. You know, some things that I've I've gathered over the years while while Rodney was in uh, PC land, <laughs> lost, <laughs> wandering. Constantly reformatting my hard drive <laughs> because of OS crashes. <laughs> so this is going to be quite exciting because you know we also know that a lot of you listeners out there are you know of course have your iPhones and your iPads and stuff like that, and you're getting more accustomed to to Apple technology and stuff. I'm sure a lot of you have have Mac uh, uh, computers somewhere, so this is going to help you use some of those tools to to make some really uh, uh, cool things that you can share with family and friends and stuff like that. All right, folks. So you know what transpired uh, a few weeks ago uh, back in April was the 2012 NAB show. And it's a, I think it's a national broadcaster show uh, that happened in Vegas. And that's where I think a lot of these uh, manufacturers and folks come out there and schlep all their product and uh, want, want to introduce some neat, cool things. And I think uh, Keith is going to tell us a little something about some things that were introduced there. There were so many things at the NAB show. 
um, this year. Actually, this year was was actually amazing. It was probably one of the the most uh, eventful NAB shows in quite some time. I, that's what I've heard from all the people that were there. I actually wasn't there, but was following it and listened to a lot of podcasts and also other uh, sources. Um, there are a couple things that stood out to me just from the news I've heard. One of them was the the Black Magic Design. That's the company, Black Magic Design Cinema Camera, and uh, the current street price is twenty nine ninety five, two thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars. And you know that's not nothing, but uh, considering what it is capable of, it's actually kind of an amazing price. That's going to be more than just our regular DSLRs, is that right? I mean, this this is is this like a uh, uh, not something you can put in your shirt pocket or anything like that. Uh, if you have a big shirt, <laughs> like one of those uh, cargo shirts, I don't think it's actually that big. It's 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 actually about the size of a a five D. Um, in fact, it it actually you can mount. Um, it's a little bit bigger than a five D, but you can mount uh, EOS lenses on it, which is kind of cool. You know, I am looking at a picture of it. Is it's the square box thing, right? Yep, it's just basically looks kind of like a square box. It looks like yeah. a, a point and shoot with a it, lens. It on actually top. is. It actually is quite nice. It it seems like the the peripherals are a little bit uh, bigger than the actual camera itself. Right. I mean, in actuality, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get a lot of extra stuff with this camera. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it does look like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gonna be, but. Still, even with all the extra stuff, it's it's kind of, if it actually delivers, it's not exactly vaporware. There's prototypes that exist, and they showed them at the show, but I don't think they actually let anybody uh, use it and record stuff with it. So, jury's out on actually if it looks, if the images look good. But if you look at it on paper, it's pretty amazing. Um, just, I don't, it's not the kind of camera that would necessarily replace my, my 5D or my other um, high-end camcorders, but it would certainly augment... I would use it for certain things. Hey, why don't you why don't you tell me what is so great about this uh, th- th- this camera? What, what what's so great about this Blackmagic Cinema camera? Well, I think the main thing is that it actually can record in RAW uh, or very very lightly compressed formats. I mean, out of the box, you, you put a SSD into it and it can record RAW SSD solid state drive for people that don't know that, which are fairly common now in laptops. And you can buy replacement uh, SSDs for your laptop drives. And it, it essentially means no motors. Right. No spinning disks, just just speed. And uh, I actually have an SSD in my Mac Pro um, and, my, and my MacBook Pro, and it really makes a big difference. Anyway, uh, they use it in this camera because it's, it's a t- type of drive. Uh, it's fast enough to actually record... Uh, a raw video image, and and by raw, it basically is an uncompressed um, signal coming from the sensor in the camera and going directly onto the recording media. No compression in between, just a straight shot, similar to like a raw still format on a digital still camera. So these fi- so these file sizes must be just enormous if it's if it's doing something like this. They are enormous, and you won't get a lot of recording time. <laughs> On, even on a large SSD. And so, like, if I were to use it, I uh, probably wouldn't use the RAW unless it was on a big budget uh, situation where I had a lot of resources and, and like, a lot of SSD drives and also drives to copy them off to because that really builds up. Uh, it, you just get, you'll get an a overload of information. 
and you have to deal with that information, all that data, back it up and transfer it around and deal with it. It actually can become kind of a pain. One of the things which I like about it, though, it also will take that raw signal and compress it to ProRes or DNxHD, which are still very high quality formats, but they're compressed formats and they reduce the file size quite a bit to make it a little bit more manageable. So it actually has that built in too. So I'd probably use that format rather than the raw format. Still very, still very high quality though, it sounds it's like. It's virtually, almost virtually the same, but uh, probably not quite as good, but most people wouldn't need that. You know, folks in, in still photography who shoot in raw prefer that format because of the things that you can do with it post-production, right? Like, you know, if you're, I mean, to the point where like you could just take anything and then just in post-production correct it uh, if it's in raw. Is that the same thing you're expecting to do with this type of uh, video camera? That would be the expectation. So in the case of um, a digital SLR shooting raw, you are able to potentially recover blown highlights. So usually if you're recording to JPEG or some kind of compressed format, something above a certain level, luminance, uh, brightness above a certain level, there will be no detail in it. You won't be able to recover it. You can darken it, but it'll just look like a blob that's darker. If you try to do that in post. Same thing with uh, shadow detail. If you try to get anything out of the shadows in, in a format that is not raw, you might not be able to, to get anything out of that. So just the fact that it's raw allows you to give you uh, more possibilities for correction in post, recovery of of maybe either errors or just the fact that you had a really highly high dynamic range scene. So You know, and, and we might be getting ahead of ourselves on this, but I just got to ask you, what kind of computer processing power is it going to require to edit that kind of file? You know, actually, it takes less processing power to to manipulate a raw file than a compressed file really yeah because it's okay, just i guess you would have to un uncompress exactly you don't you don't have to do that that uncompression process while you're editing so uh it actually is, it's a little bit easier on the computing power for that reason it's a little bit harder on the hard drive power because it's a lot more data being pushed through so you have to have fast hard drives um but from a computer processor point of view probably less intense than ABCHD, which is a very compressed uh, modern format that's used in a lot of modern um, camcorders so it's mostly just the hard drive space <laughs> right and and hard right. drive capability and here's what i'm not very clear on you know ssd drives you know ones that go in your computer and stuff like that usually aren't any bigger than about what 300 gigabytes or something like that um, I think you can get them up to, well, you can get them up to even a terabyte if you want to spend enough. But um, typically, like the ones you buy, like the kind that come in Apple, they can go up to, I think, 640 or 500 is, is pretty pretty much up there, 480, actually 480 gigabytes. I've got a 480 gigabyte on my in my MacBook Pro. It's a fairly large so, one. So if you buy one of these, uh, are, are, are you swapping out? that brand new drive to put into this uh into this black magic camera or you're going with the one that they already have in there and it's not swappable and you're just whatever they fit on there that's what you're trying to fit no i think that it actually will take a standard removable 2.5 inch ssd so the kind you would buy for your mac or pc will fit into this uh unit so nice you, yeah so you can buy them from otherworld computing great company Nice company. 
like them a lot. <laughs> In fact, we're going to be reviewing one of their products in the next episode, or maybe a couple of their products. They've been really, really nice to the podcast so far. Good. Looking forward to it. That's going to be great. For example, OWC makes excellent SSDs. In fact, the two SSDs that I have in my systems are, are OWC. So theoretically, if, if the drive has a good enough spec, you can use that drive. In it. So it's not a special Blackmagic type of drive. So for the amount of money that you're buying the Blackmagic camera for, what kind of what, what, what's the size of, of hard drive are you getting on this thing? I think I'd have to go through the calculations. But um, according to their site, uh, you can get about 30 minutes of 24p video on a 256 gigabyte solid state disk. Wow, <laughs> that, that is awesome. <laughs> so you're going to have to have very short takes. Okay, let's say you were to take that out on the field. Isn't that kind of really not that great of a thing? Because you're obviously going to have to have extra drives in your bag to carry with you. Uh, you know, it's certainly not as convenient as SD cards that you could just throw, you know, you could throw 10 in one pocket, but with an SSD 2.5 drive, you know, those are a little bit more fragile. Yeah. A little bit more fragile, take up more space, certainly. And 30 minutes on one of them is not that much, but that's if you're using the raw format. If you decide to record in the ProRes format, which is still very good quality, you will get about five times the amount of space. So you'll get about two and a half hours on one of those drives. So it's a little more economical, but it, it is definitely a specialty kind of camera. I don't think every single documentarian that will shoot, you know, 10 hours of video a day is going to buy one of these. You know, it might be for people that do green screen that, that really need to have that definition at the ed edges of things or they're shooting a special situation where there's a really high dynamic range that they really need to capture, like, uh, I don't know, like a forest with light streaming through the trees, you know, so it's very dark and very bright, and you want to try to capture both those aspects live. Um, those type of ap applications. I, I think it's not going to be the kind of camera you'd use for everything, you know, just like throw it in your pocket, even if you have a big pocket. And <laughs> <laughs> but But there will be some situations where you can just get a better quality and it's not that much of an investment you know what i know one of the big features is this image sensor thing right it's got some sort of ginormous image sensor or something tell us a little about about what that means that's really not one of its strong points it's actually not that big of a sensor 2.2.5 or something like that it's about the size of a four-thirds micro four-thirds sensor Oh, so just as good as my camera. So then, why might? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just use your GH one. It's the same, right? Exactly. Exactly. The same. <laughs> it definitely doesn't have the same depth of field or wide angle ease that a five D would have. Mm -hmm. Canon five D Mark two or three, right? But it's it's the other stuff. It's the kind of electronics and the fact that the sensor is putting out uh, such a high dynamic range. That's that's the thing that's that's pretty cool. Which does sound very, very, very nice. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, this is the kind of thing where, you know, maybe it'll come out and there'll be a lot of problems with it and, you know, it won't, won't be so great when, when it actually comes out. Well, we'll see. It's going to come out the end of July and there'll be tons of video and tests and people, you know, complaining or praising it. So uh, we'll see. The thing, the thing that I like about the announcement of this kind of camera is that it changes the industry. It, it it changes the industry on purpose. 
You know, it's not like an accident, like the Canon uh, DSLRs that change filmmaking by accident. This was actually done by Blackmagic on purpose. You know, they said, we're going to produce this really inexpensive, raw video camera. It's never been done before. All the other raw cameras are like 20000 and above. Um, we're going to produce one for 3000 And they, they just turn the industry on its, on its end. And they make all the other camera makers just jump them and go, oh, God, you know, we got to do this. We got to do the same thing. And it just drives, it just creates this momentum for this type of camera. And it really helps the consumer. So I, I, that's what I like about it. Yeah, I, it, it does. It does look good. Uh, it looks it looks really, really I can't wait to see some of this uh, the footage that's going to come out from it. Uh, but I have to ask you the sixty four thousand dollar question. Did you put your order in for it? Uh, let the whole wide world know right now. I did not. <laughs> well, there you hear. There you have it, folks. Um, well, I, you, you know what? I, yeah. It, l- l- let's see what comes out from it. Let's see what happens. Let's see how great it looks and stuff like that. And, uh, I, I think that's going to be one of, one of the big things is, you know, what, what other people can, can, can draw out of it. It's kind of like the, uh, uh, the Canon 5D Mark three, right? Well, uh, initial shots were taken. They thought it didn't look really any different than the Mark two. You did a little post-production. Now it's supposedly the greatest thing ever. Is that correct? I think that's it. I, you know, I actually have, I got a Mark III pretty early and I really haven't shot any video with it yet. <laughs> I've been so busy. <laughs> I was really excited to be like one of the first people to get one about a month ago. And I've just shot some, st- shot some stills with it. But I'm hoping that it, it's going to be nice. And I'm hoping to, you know, sell my other, some of my other DSLRs and standardize on the Mark III. So we'll see. We'll so that's great. Yeah. That's great. All right. Terrific. Well, uh, there, there you have it, folks. That's the Blackmagic Cinema Camera. Okay, folks. Well, we're back. And what we're going to do now is talk about a nifty little piece of software here that Keith has discovered. And it's called ClipWrap 2. And um, it looks to be something that I would be very, very interested in. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it, Keith? Sure. It's ClipRap, actually version 2.5 or 2.51, I think, if you have the latest. And I have I think I've used ClipRap since it came out. And, and basically what it does is it works with ABCHD files that you transfer from your camcorder to your computer. And it will actually either just wrap them and make them into QuickTime-capable movies. It'll put the little MOV extension and wrap it with the right data so that you can play it back in, uh, on your Mac uh, with anything that plays QuickTime, or you can actually use it to transcode. And that's actually a very powerful feature. So it's actually a very a versatile piece of software. Um, you can use a kind of a hybrid mode where you actually keep the file in a ABC HD compressed format, but you take the ABC audio, uh, which is compressed, and it converts it to a linear PCM type audio. Some programs like that better than the ABC HD audio. So there's a lot of reasons to to use it, and, and it's also pretty inexpensive. It's it's fifty bucks new, and I think ever since I've gotten it, there's been multiple upgrades, and it's always a free upgrade. Also, the the guys that make it, Divergent Media, uh, is a great company. Their support is amazing. I, I basically send an email and get a uh, response ten minutes later with like really detailed information about how to help me. So the, they're great. 
And just to kind of backtrack a little bit, I keep talking about AVCHD. Right. What it is, it's a very compressed form of a digital video and audio. And uh, it was introduced several years ago, um, used for consumer high-definition camcorders. Um, I actually got one of the first uh, kind of prosumer AVCHD camcorders. It was the uh, Panasonic SD-1, which was, you know, it was a nice, very small Beautiful recordings, kind of compressed, kind of macro block, a little bit dirty and gritty looking in the because of the compression, but very portable, very small, uh, lots of lots of time on a small amount of uh, storage space with the SD cards. So since then, uh, and that was maybe six years ago, it's really been embraced by even professional camcorder manufacturers and camcorders. So, for example, I have a Sony FS100, which is a fairly new. Semi, it's a professional camcorder. Uh, it's you know, it's like a six thousand dollar camcorder, and uh, they use AVCHD format. So um, I, I personally use it in order for me to get things that need to have QuickTime. I use it to convert uh, AVCHD to a QuickTime format. Um, I actually personally use it mostly so that I can use it along with Pluralize to get Pluralize to sync video tracks together by using the audio. In a future episode, we can maybe talk about that technique, which is a somewhat involved technique, but it's it works really well, and it has to do with having a lot of multiple cameras all shooting without being synced together, and then later combining them all, and all the tracks are lined up. So you can have a multi-cam shoot very easily. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a future episode. Let me ask you this, Keith. With clip wrap, so what... You know, just as a, as as an amateur like myself, you know, who just likes to take these these cute little videos and stuff like that, what is how is clip wrap going to help me in getting my Panasonic GH1 footage uh, on onto a you know onto my final destination of of you know of a DVD or a Blu-ray or whatever? Well, if you are using any type of uh, Mac-based software that relies on QuickTime. Yeah, which I am. For example, Final Cut Pro 7, quite a few other apps that rely on it. It just won't will not be able to read the AVCHD files, which are actually the the actual stream, the actual file type is as a .mts extension. Right. I I, I always have to convert it to something else, uh, like a MOV or something like that. Yeah. So what ClipRep will do, it could actually just take the same file, uh, the MTS file, and it will put information surrounding that file. It won't necessarily change the file, the kind of compression inside the file. It'll just keep that intact, but it'll put enough information on the beginning and end of the file that it'll fool the Mac, Apple and the Mac into thinking it's a QuickTime file. And then QuickTime can play it back. Now, the problem is, is that QuickTime doesn't necessarily play back that type of compression all that well. So you'll still get some choppy behavior but if you just need it to be able to open the file and do some things with it, you know, maybe use the audio in the file, then it's fine. That's what I use it for. If you need uh, something like Final Cut Pro 7 to actually edit that, then you can use ClipRap to actually transcode it to a ProRes file of varying types. And then you can edit that very well in, in Final Cut. I think that's the biggest use. If we talk to the people that make ClipRap, divergent media maybe they can explain some of the other uses of it that sounds it sounds great i mean you know i uh can you use it with uh uh premiere you can use it with premiere although premiere's claim to fame is the fact that it can ingest avchd natively 
So it's theoretically doesn't need you to convert it to another format. It just takes those raw AVCHD files and will play them back theoretically. <laughs> but right. that all depends on how powerful a computer you have. So if your computer is kind of wimpy or you know you have a lot of streams going at once, then you you could use Clipwrap to convert uh, those AVCHD files to ProRes. In fact, I just did that for a project. It, I did a bunch of a multicam green screen, and I knew and I needed to get it out quick. I, it was a four camera shoot. Three out of the four were AVCHD cameras, and when I brought the files directly into Premiere Pro, because uh, I use Premiere Pro right now as my main editing uh, system, it was having a hard time playing all those streams back and dealing with the compositing and everything with the green screen. Those four tracks. I needed to make sure that I had a smooth edit. I didn't want to waste a lot of time waiting for Premiere to catch up or have a, a not a very smooth experience. So I, I took the time to essentially convert all the AVCHD files for that particular shoot into ProRes 422 using ClipRap. And it was actually a great experience. One of the things that AVCHD, one of the characteristics of it is it can only record files of four gigabyte in length. So even if you're recording a, something longer than what four gigabyte would would record to, you know, like a over, you know, thirty minutes, say uh, at that thirty minute segment, it stops recording the first file and then starts recording another four gigabyte file. Right, just because of limits, right? Yeah, AVCHD has this four gigabyte limit. A lot of a lot of formats have this four gigabyte limit, but ClipRap will actually know that there is that break there, and it will actually seamlessly join the break. Uh, and when it converts it to ProRes, it makes one long ProRes file instead of a bunch of the equivalent of four gigabyte ProRes files. It will just actually join them all together while it does the transcoding. That actually makes it a lot easier to handle the data, too. So you don't have a bunch of different files for the same actual scene. That does sound very helpful. And here's the kicker about ClipRap version 2.51, which they just came out with like a month ago. It has the ability to actually do this either wrapping or transcoding with multiple sessions simultaneously. And I'll just give you an example. Say you had a, a shoot with three cameras and you wanted to convert all those using ClipRap. Well, previous to version 2.5.1, you would actually have to do one conversion, wait till it was done, do the next camera's conversion, wait till it was done, and then do the next. You could leave your computer, but you'd eventually have to come back when it was done and, and have it convert another camera. The new version actually gives you the ability to open simultaneous sessions. So you could have one session, one window, working on one card and one destination, the output of that, another card and another destination, another card and another destination. So you can actually have multiple sessions going at once, which saves me a lot of time. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, so I really like that, and I've used that several times, and it works flawlessly. So I, I really like it a lot, and it's a really good company. That's terrific. Well, hey, uh, you can find them at Divergent media.com and the product is clip wrap two and it is 49.99 uh for purchase they do have a trial there so if you want to try it out uh i'm sure that uh they would appreciate it and uh yeah see for yourself see what uh what what you guys can get out of it and uh let us know uh how it goes All right, gang, here's my favorite portion of the show right now. This is something that we have uh, cutely named the Put Me in a Coma segment of the Tech Move podcast. 
Because what this is, is that Keith is going to talk to us about something that may be a little bit more technical than uh, what I would even know about. Uh, not that I'm any great tech guy, but uh, but I, I know a little bit of something. But Keith is really going to uh, really give it to us right now. So, uh, you know, as I um, load myself up with, uh, with Pepsi Cola right now. Let's uh, have Keith talk about a some sort of fantastic subject. Go ahead, Keith. And aptly named. And why do we call it "Put Me in Coma"? I forgot exactly well, why we. Well, you know what? Uh, how about after we're done with the segment, we ask the listening audience again what they <laughs> if, if they think it's appropriate. Okay. Um. <laughs> I think sometimes you 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 induce comas into people just to right. save their lives. <laughs> right, Maybe exactly. That's what it's about. That's what it is. Um, okay. Even though this is not too bad, because de- depth of field, I think, uh, you know, everyone likes. They might not know what depth of field is, but you know, you know, you've seen it in in uh, uh, in pictures or in movies or and stuff, and. Let me simplify it by just saying it's when you're focused on a subject and the background is blurred. That's pretty much depth of field, isn't it, Keith? Well, that's shallow depth of field. Yeah. Well, it's a part of it. Yeah, that's definitely the definition of shallow depth of field, where yeah. not everything is in focus. Some some things are in focus and some things aren't. We kind of know that it looks professional um, when we see it. And camcorders uh, in the past did not necessarily have that look uh because they just could not achieve that shallow depth of field and with this new uh, dslr revolution that happened a few years ago uh, we are able to get this shallow depth of field look with video and and just simply the larger your sensor is the shallower depth of field that you can obtain so the ability to have one thing in focus and another thing out of focus that actually is a, a product of having a larger sensor size so the largest sensor size that we have now is on a a Canon 5D Mark II or Mark III, it's a full 35 millimeter sensor, which is 35 millimeters from from a diagonal measurement, and uh, it's big. And because of that, uh, the lenses are big, and you can get a, a wider, uh, wider, wider angle lens on that as well. But the main thing is that you can simply have a very, very fine uh, plane of focus. You can actually get to the point where even from maybe a foot or two away you have a plane of focus that is only a few millimeters uh deep like the highlight in somebody's eye could be in focus and maybe even their eyelashes could be out of focus you can get that shallow of a depth of field and that's actually kind of an extreme effect and not necessarily always desirable but it's something that you can choose to do now in a digital video realm whereas previously with a standard video cameras, you could not achieve that. So it just gives us a little bit more, uh, just gives us another tool for our filmmaking uh, and videography arsenal. Hey, and, and and that's kind of because you, you couldn't do it before with the old camcorders because of a, because those were essentially fixed lenses, right? Because all, all, all they really did it was zoom in, zoom out, and that, that was all you could do. Um, actually, not really. It has to do with uh, the fact that the earlier camcorders had smaller sensors. So, so it's really based on sensor size. It really is. You could have a fixed lens or crappy lens, uh, but if it had a large sensor, you could still potentially get that shallow depth of field. With lower 
cost camcorders the, the largest sensor size were maybe a half inch. So for example, I have a, a Sony EX1, which is about four years old. I got it pretty new when it first came out. And the EX1 is an excellent camcorder. It only has a half inch sensor size. So that's like, you know, one fourth, maybe one fifth the size of the Canon 5D. So it cannot really get that shallow depth of field. I mean, no matter what I do, you can't get it that shallow. You just can't do it. And that's actually a fairly large sensor. Um, most camcorders are quarter inch or maybe a third. So that's even less capability of getting that shallow depth of field. So it's it's the function of the sensor size is really the, the root of it. Another very important factor is the size of the aperture. So we've heard of f-stops when you bought a lens. Maybe you get a fast lens. Oh, yeah. Yep, exactly. Uh, y- you know what? Uh, I would say for those who buy, like, uh, cameras, uh, like, right out of the box, it usually comes with, like, what, a, a 50 millimeter uh as far as distance goes and and maybe an f stop uh of what like four sometimes or or three and a half or something like that when you when you get a still photography lens and and even on a a video lens by fast it means how large of an aperture uh you can achieve and uh the usually the larger the aperture is the more expensive the lens is and uh there's a lot of other factors that go into that uh, the lens just has to be a lot more precise, precisely made. And and to simplify it a little bit, when you say uh, the faster the lens means the smaller the number in the f-stop, is that correct? That's right. The smaller the number, the faster the lens. And the smaller the number, the bigger the opening of the aperture that lets light into the lens. Right. So for those of you who buy the uh, the, the cameras and the bundles and they have like the 50 millimeter with the... 3.5 to 4 f-stop uh, aperture, it, it, even though that's okay and, and you'll, you'll get some nice shots out of, that, out of that, it probably won't give you as, you know, professional of a look as something like a, like a 1.8 or, or even a 2.0. Is that correct? Um. The potential for shallow depth of field is less uh, with those kit lenses that, that have a, a, a maximum aperture that's smaller. Um, however, um, some of it has to do with the sensor size, which I shoot a lot with F, on F4 to F5, but with my 5D or my large Super 35 type camcorders. And that actually has an acceptably shallow depth of field. It's not super shallow, like not the eyelash and eyeball thing I told you about before but but still you can get the background out of focus and normal focal lengths so if you have a large enough sensor having an f4 is not so bad from the shallow depth of field point of view however if you want to get that razor thin then you want to go you want to have a lower number you want to have a larger aperture so really practically for the people for the lenses that people can afford it's about f1.4 is about the one of the, the larger aperture lenses you can get. And those are usually prime. In fact, they're always prime lenses, which is, means it's a fixed focal length. It doesn't, it's not a zoom lens. It's just one, one focal length, like uh, 24 millimeters or 50 millimeters or whatever. And it just stays at that focal length. You can't zoom in and out with it. Right. So, but it's, it's kind of amazing when you combine the, one of those prime lenses that can go to uh, F1.4 and you combine that with a very sensitive light sensitive camera such as a 5D Mark III 
or even a 5D Mark II or FS100. It's amazing. You can basically almost shoot in the dark. The camera can see more than your eye can see when you combine that fast lens with the sensor. Yeah, I like I I I, I do like uh, some of those fast lenses. I I actually have a uh, a 1.7, and it's a it's it's a fixed prime lens, and it it really you can really get that nice shallow depth of field, which I personally like a lot. Right. Right. So that's um, just a simple explanation. And now we're going to have to get the defibrillators out. I think we're going to have to get some okay, of the people out of the coma. Wake up, everybody. All right. <laughs> Very good. Well, hey, uh, thanks. Thanks for uh, that. Okay, gang. Well, we have come to another point in the podcast where we want to introduce another new segment. And this segment is called Teach Me Something I Didn't Know. And Keith is going to walk us through some cool new thing he discovered, or sometimes hopefully I'll be able to discover something, but most likely I won't be able to figure out how I got there. So anyway, Keith, go ahead and share with us. This is actually a hint that I myself recently discovered. I was in Apple Mail. Sometimes I scroll down in the middle of the messages and... I always have to grab the little scroll bar and move it to the top. And the thing about Lion, which is the newest version of macOS, is that they've made the scroll bars kind of invisible until you move your mouse over to that area and then they peer. And they're a lot smaller, so they're harder to grab. So I was saying, God, this is much more tedious than previously. I think this would apply to previous OSs. You could, maybe the audience can tell us if it does or not. So basically, if you want to go to your latest message, you just click into the list of messages and you click the home button on your keyboard. And if you don't have a home button, like if you have one of the mini keyboards or if you have a MacBook or MacBook Pro or an Air, uh, you can hit the function left arrow, which is the same as the home key. And that will bring you up to the top of the messages. And you'll see the latest and greatest. Hey, that's neat. And here's a little bonus hint, which is in the same same vein. iOS. So if you're on an iPad or iPhone, have you ever you know accidentally scrolled down to the bottom of your message list? Same thing. Apple Mail or actually even in Safari, scroll down to the bottom of this page in Safari. Right. Well, instead of swiping, swiping, swiping to get back to the top, which I always do, you can click on the little black area that's above. It's basically above the window whatever window you're on, and it will automatically scroll you to the top. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's a, that's a one that I, a kind of a neat one that I recently discovered as well, and it saved me so many seconds. I think, <laughs> I, I, think I saved a year of my life just by learning that. <laughs> well, I, I will try that as soon as we are done. <laughs> that's good. No, that, 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 that's very helpful. That's great. All cool. right. Well, let, let's, uh, everyone, remember that. Just... <laughs> Touch the top of the 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 little. Isn't that where like sometimes the clock is? Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's it's kind of like that window. It's almost like a window blind type of thing, right? It's basically uh, where the time is where the time is showing in the middle of the on the right. iPhone. Right. Um, and in the case of Safari, it's basically just that little in the middle of the screen at the top. You know what? I have to tell you, I have my iPad open right now, and I just did it, and it works awesome. Yeah, you're, you're almost like double clicking on the on the clock. Yeah, except it's just a single, a single little click. Well, let me verify that. Hang on, I'm going to go down right now. Click it once. Oh, 
there she goes. Very nice. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> You're welcome, Ronnie. I get I, I get back another second of my life. Thank you. And it adds up. It does. Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. Of course, you'll, we'll probably waste it on something else. But well, well, yeah, well, you know what's so great is that that will hopefully prevent more fingerprints from being on my iPad. Then right, they'll just be concentrated in the kind of greasy blob at the top of the screen. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right, hey, thank thank you very much. And that's the uh, teach me something I didn't know segment. Hey. Folks, we want to thank you so much for joining us here in our maiden voyage of Tech Move. Uh, we wanted to, though, give you some very important contact information of where you can reach us, where you can see us. Uh, we have a website. It is available right now, and it is at www.techmovepodcast.com. And we also have a wonderful email address of which we would love to hear some feedback. If you have any kind of questions that you'd like us to answer on the next show, feel free to hit us up there. We are at feedback at techmovepodcast.com. Again, that's feedback at techmovepodcast.com. That is our email address. And hey, you know what we've got going on for the next episode? We've got a lot of great things. More of this uh, of this stuff going on where we're going to talk about the FS100. That's the Sony product. We're also going to be reviewing some products from Otherworld Computing, otherwise known as OWC, our fine friends over there on the internet, uh, where they've got a lot of great products over there. I, in fact, you know what, Keith? I actually uh, got uh, upgraded my iMac. Uh, using their RAM, so I I really like OWC. They are they they are great great friends. So thank you very much for the RAM. Uh, so we've got those things coming up. L- listen to this, folks. We also have coming up. Uh, we're going to be doing a news segment, some news stuff that hits, you know. Uh, and we're also going to be doing a rumor segment. Everyone loves rumors, and we're going to have them for you right here at the Tech Move Podcast. We thank you very much for for joining us here at Tech Move Podcast. And you know what? Hey, uh, Keith, why don't you talk about a little bit about our website? We have a fledgling website. It's certainly going to be um, enhanced over time, but it's there. Um, in fact, we have a couple funny videos that we made, uh, some of our uh, initial forays into trying to uh, get this thing off the ground. So you might enjoy little those. You know, little do you know, those were taken about five years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're kind of humorous. Uh, we also feature uh, some products on our website. And just to help support the show, well, maybe you don't realize that a show like this has to have a huge budget. It's just a tremendous amount of work with many, many people behind the scenes to make the machine of Tech Move actually run. And we need to pay them. And we need to support ourselves and we need to support the website to continue to provide you with all the fine news and reviews and all the great information we're providing you. Great information, comas, whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If you go to our website, you'll see some products uh, that we talked about in the show or something related to what we talked about the show. There'll be click-throughs. We're currently using Amazon. We're an Amazon affiliate, and it's actually kind of a kind of a neat deal. So what so what goes on what, what goes on with the Amazon links? Well, the thing thing that's kind of kind of cool about Amazon is that well, we're actually Amazon affiliates. We got approved by Amazon to be an affiliate. Uh, if you click a link to that product on our website and you get to Amazon and you buy that product, we will actually get a commission on that. So it's a way to help support 
our website and support our podcast so we can continue to have future podcasts. So another interesting feature is that if you click on a link to a product from our website and you get to Amazon, you don't have to buy that product. You could actually go to somewhere else on Amazon and buy something else. You could click on our link to the Blackmagic camera. You don't have to buy that Blackmagic camera on Amazon. You could actually buy your Newman's organic dog food (laughs) on Amazon and we would still get probably a pretty small commission compared to the camera, but uh, it would still help. So if you have a chance and you like this podcast and you want to hear more, just click on that Amazon link. That's pretty awesome. That sounds great. And uh, hey, where else can they find the podcast besides uh, on the website? Will they be able to find this on iTunes or anything like that? Oh, yeah. This this podcast is on iTunes. In fact, you may actually be hearing it from a download on iTunes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, since this is the maiden voyage, we want to thank everyone for listening. We want to thank all of you guys for putting up with our shenanigans here. And we'll do it again very shortly. Keep checking out the website and seeing our updates there. Keith, thank you so much for a great first show. Thank you, Rod. And uh, let's uh, let's do another one very soon, huh? What do you say? Let's do another one right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's not get crazy. Okay. Hey, folks, thank you so much. You've been listening to Tech Move Podcast. Yeah.